You're listening to Men of Abundance, episode 196 with Pamela Gold. Today we're talking about finding more strength and power. You might think you know what that means, but do you? Put on your abundant mindset cap and listen in. Welcome to Men of Abundance, the podcast for those looking to level up their lives by hanging out with some of the greatest leaders and established professionals in our community, living a life of integrity, honor, and the abundance mentality. Prepare to pay it forward with your host, former army medic turned lifestyle entrepreneur, Wally Carmichael. What is going on, all of you amazing, abundant leaders out there? I am Wally Carmichael, your founder and host of the Men of Abundance podcast. Today we are talking about strength and power. The real important kind of strength and power. You know, I once had a conversation, I recently actually had a conversation with another guy who's in the space of, you know, kind of helping men realize that they're men. Okay. You know that you're a man, but the thing was that the, the conversation went about that all men should be heavy lifters. And if you're not a heavy lifter, basically what this gentleman was saying was that you can't uh, provide for your family. You can't take care of your family. You can't care for and protect your family. Well, I beg to differ. I know many men in our community who are more than capable of providing and protecting their family. In fact, I'm pretty sure you yourself can provide and protect your family in the way that you can do that. And you may or may not be a heavy lifter. I'm not against heavy lifting. I just don't agree with the idea that all men have to be heavy lifters in order to protect and provide for their family. Now, I bring that up only because we are talking about a different type of strength and power today. We're talking about a type of strength and power that is internal, that is mindset, that is emotions. The real strength and power that let your kids know that you're going to be there for them. That lets your spouse know that you're going to be there for him or her. And these, this is the strength and power that is extremely important that we really miss our beat on. Many men really miss the boat and really don't understand that. So we're going to have that conversation today. And I know there are other people out there that are going to want to hear this conversation. So be abundant in your life today and pay it forward by sharing men of abundance with everyone you come in contact with. Don't be bashful. Share it with everyone. You never know what's going on in somebody else's life that one of these conversations, that this specific conversation right here is going to 100% resonate with the person that you share this with. Now, I also specifically want you to share this conversation because also in the show notes, I'm going to share with you a link to an amazing program that Pamela has set up. It's a four-week program. I want you to go listen to her video. There's a link in the show notes. And if you go to the show notes and you're going to scroll down and you're going to see, are you sick and tired of the yelling, screaming, and belligerent attitude of your child? Well, by clicking on that link, you're going to be able to discover the strategies of controlling your child and finally restore peace and power in your parenting. If that resonates with you at all, make sure you go check out the show notes at menofabundance.com forward slash 196 and click on that link. 
and share this episode with others, or at least share the show notes and share that link with others that you know can that need a little bit of help in their parenting. If they have a an, an unruly child, a child that they're having a little bit of um, trouble with, regardless of what the situation is, you never know how bad it is at home. They don't maybe parents don't tell you all the time because most parents don't. Let's face it, we don't tell all of our issues and we don't talk about our kids all the time until it really gets to the point to where it's just unbearable and we have to have that conversation. Well, Pamela is there to have that conversation and provide some strategies for you so you can finally restore peace in your house and peace in your parenting. So check that out. Now, let me introduce you to our featured guest today. Pamela Gold grew up in her family's apple farm in upstate New York, graduated from Yale University, and then entered the business world in New York City, where she was the point person on an IPO at the age of 24. Leaving the workforce to start a family, she co-founded West Village Parents and went on to pursue her passion for fitness and wellness. It was through this pursuit that she discovered yoga, which connected her love of philosophy, science, psychology, and wellness and eventually led her to discover her life's work, teaching inner peace as the key to our greatest evolution and ultimately world peace. Her book, Find More Strength, Five Pillars to Unlock Unlimited Power and Happiness, is full of tragedy to triumph personal stories, along with actionable tools to help increase power and happiness in life. Men of Abundance, it is my pleasure to introduce you to Pamela Gold. Pamela, welcome to Men of Abundance. How are you doing today? I'm so great. Thank you so much for having me. It's my pleasure. Where are you at in the world? I'm just outside New York City in Westchester, New York. Ah, so it's a little chilly over there. It is. We had a big storm yesterday, and yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I have family in in New York on my wife's side, uh, two uncles and an aunt, and I just have not made it to New York yet, and we're definitely looking forward to that. Well, I can't wait to get to Hawaii, so. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I assure you, it will not be until summertime or springtime or something like that for me to get to New York. Yeah. Yeah, and Hawaii is just a wonderful, wonderful place. It really is everything people say it is to be. And uh, living here has got its challenges, but nobody wants to hear about that. (laughs) <laughs> well, everything has its challenges, right? And I'm sure we'll talk about that in our in our conversation today. But yeah, I've never been to Hawaii, so it's definitely on the list. Absolutely. Yeah, put it on the, like I tell everybody, do it like I did. Put it on the calendar. You know uh-huh. the deal. Put it on the calendar. It'll work itself out. Yep, yep. Yep. Absolutely. So I like to start out with an attitude of gratitude. What do you have to be mm-hmm. grateful for today, Pamela? You know, I am grateful for everything and I am grateful for nothing. So I've gotten to this place where I really, truly just embody that for no reason at all. So I'm really grateful for everything and really grateful for nothing, truly. Dig into that a little bit. Um, I yeah, want you to yeah, share I'd love that a little to. bit. Yeah, please do. Yeah, because, I mean, it, it's the progression of a practice that I've experienced where in the beginning, when I first identified the power of gratitude and the power of this attitude of gratitude, I was like, okay, I'm going to have an attitude, a gratitude journal and I'm going to practice focusing on the things that I feel grateful for and how that feels in me. And then the big epiphany was, whoa, I can be grateful for not just the positive things in my life, the things that feel good. I can be grateful for all of the things that feel not so good because that's the front side of all my growth. And so I kind of evolved to this place of being able to actually practice that and really own that. Because in the beginning, it's like, 
nah, okay, all right, so this is going to lead to growth. Okay, but I'm not feeling so grateful right now. And with practice, I really truly got to the place where even in the darkest times, and I use humor, I'm like, oh, this is going to be good because I'm, I'm really uncomfortable, so I must be learning. And I can be grateful in that moment for the learning that I know is coming and really embrace all of life and really be grateful for everything. And then there was this opening where then you could just embody gratitude and just be that all the time. And it is it is good, Wally. <laughs> it is really good. So, you know, share with us about how easy it is to get from where you were before mm-hmm. to where you are now in reference to seeing gratitude and being grateful in the way that you are today. Yeah, well, it really is a practice. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of the um, analogies I use is like if you were going to dig a tunnel in the sand, you know, you got to keep digging. <laughs> like, and at some point, you'll get to the water, right? Like, mm-hmm. you really have to commit to a practice if you want to rewire your brain and change the way that you actually relate to life. And so, for me, I always, I always knew the the power of gratitude. I was a naturally kind of optimistic and and grateful person. So, you know, I don't, I don't know exactly where I started on on the spectrum of, of gratefulness, <laughs> but you know, for me, it was really the last three years of having a, a pretty deep meditation practice where the epiphanies and the ahas and the openings have have come kind of, you know, faster and more furiously. And, um, and yeah, so it's been about a three-year journey for me where the first year I was kind of thinking about clarity because I started to experience this, this kind of enlightenment. And then, okay, clarity, clarity, I want to stay, okay, in that clear place. And then last year it was about devotion. I want to be devoted to that, you know, that light, that energy. And then this year, the year has been embodiment because devotion, you're still separate from it. And this year, my practice has been, we're not separate from that. We are that. So embodying that knowing is really, really where our power's at. Yeah. So it's interesting. I was thinking, you know, I don't think you said it, but I was just thinking about this. What you went through is kind of like an evolution of gratitude. And Mm -hmm. it really, it takes work and it takes time to really, Mm -hmm. you know, live in this state of mind and and listen guys we're not over here talking about like you know you're barney and running around <laughs> singing songs all the time because barney nope. doesn't feel those pains and feel those you know discomforts and like you said earlier when you're in your when you're feeling that discomfort you know you must be learning because again <laughs> think about this think about the time that you truly learned a valuable lesson was it comfortable yeah. yeah, it wasn't comfortable. It's very uncomfortable to really learn those very strong lessons in life. And um, mm. wow, thanks for digging into that. That's uh, profound. And I really love it. Thanks. Yeah, it's my pleasure. I love Wonderful. this stuff. So how would you <laughs> how would you describe yourself? Well, I'm a mom and I'm a wife and I'm a lover of life. Like I really, really, really love life. And I'm equally strong in mind, body, and spirit. So I'm really into physical fitness, and I'm really into being very physically strong and capable, functional. Um, you know, my physical strength and, and power is super important to me. And mental power, you know, I'm an intellectual. I went to Yale, and I'm committed to continually being an intellectual and, and having maximum kind of intellectual capacity. And and this spiritual strength is, is very much who I am. Uh, too. It's all, it's all, it's all that. And that's, that's really in terms of using words and, and labels to try to describe, you know, who I, who I know I am. That's, that's kind of a, an overview, I guess. <laughs> yeah. Very interesting. What did you study at Yale? 
Well, first I was a microbiology and biochem major for the first mm. two years. And then I ended up switching to political science because I wasn't doing so well. Like there's this thing about like science classes, especially you kind of got to go to class and you kind of got to do the problem isn't sets. That, isn't that annoying? So I was like, I know. I was like, gosh, guys, really? And so that, that wasn't going so well. And at that point I knew that I, I was way too extroverted to be a scientist um, and I wasn't getting good enough grades to get into med school. So I was like, well, what shall I do? And so I switched to political science because I really did enjoy that as well. And there was much more fluidity in that um, <laughs> that coursework and being able to, you know, write a dissertation and and kind of argue your points and get an A, even mm-hmm. maybe if you didn't go to class. <laughs> that worked out much better for me long term. And, and I do love political science. I'm really passionate about um, all the opportunities we have to improve our political systems. Yeah, and there's a lot of room for improvement. A lot to say of the room least. for improvement there. And that's right? a good thing. It really is. That's true in everything in life. Yeah, so let's not get yeah. on the you know the whole. No, thing, no, it's all it's all good, science. all beautiful. So here's a question I have for you, and I've I've mm-hmm. talked to other people that have studied political science, and maybe not at Yale, but this is really just kind of a person on a personal note. It's a question I've had in my mind. So, how does political science? I don't even know how to ask this question. How does political science differ or how similar is it to actually getting into politics and what what actually what we see as far as and I'm not getting into the whole media thing, but just what we see as as far as what comes to us from, say, the White House and stuff like that. How does that relate? Well, I learned being a political science major to never get uh, righteous about anything that we are hearing or seeing from politics because I learned that we have no idea what's really going on. There's just mm-hmm. no way right. for the layman in in this day and age, and this was you know twenty years ago when I was in college, but even more so now, you know, the amount of smoke and mirrors and it's just what's really going on behind the scenes isn't visible to us at all. Right. And that that's concerning. I mean it's it's and it's gotten worse. With the polarization of all these, you know, the media, people's attention are so much smaller, so much shorter, that it's even more important for these sensational sound bites, you know, to be the headlines, to get your attention. And and it's gotten worse and worse over the last 20 years that we have even less visibility on what's really going on. And it's so dysfunctional. Um, so, you know, it's, it's quite a quandary because, because we need to be continually evolving in all areas of our life, not just politics, right? There's Mm -hmm. every area of our life. We need to be looking to see how we can be doing better. And, and I, I do think that, you know, there's a lot of potential leaders that are going to be rising up during these years because they feel like they could do better and they want to get involved. And that's a great thing. So I think the more people that start to kind of bravely step into the ring and say, I want to be of service and not being of service because they want the power, right? Like so much of the history, you know, the history of, of politics is that people go into politics, not because they want to be of service, but because they want the power. And I'm really Mm. optimistic that in today's day and age, there's going to be a generation of leaders that rise up that are doing it to be of service, not because they want power. They've seen how wanting power and doing things for your own ego and your own, you know, monetary gain, they see how that corrupts and they're starting to wake up that there is a much deeper way that we can lead that Mm. will empower everyone if we can have that sensibility in our leadership. Wow. Very well said. Very well said. I love that. And because when I think of um, political science, 
what mm. I hear is science, and what I hear mm. is subjective. Mm. You know, or not subjective or objective. Objective, I'm just yeah. Objective, I know what I'm you mean. Dyslexic. No, <laughs> so, I know what you mean. I knew you know, you, you go, you go, and you're studying it, and you're studying mm. it from an objective point of view, and you don't have an opinion. You're just looking at the facts of how yep. it's supposed to work, and 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 okay, maybe it can be a little, maybe it can be better, just like with science, you learn new things. But then yeah. I truly, maybe it's just because of my my kind nature, and I truly believe that. Most people go into politics. I want to believe this anyway, and we all believe what we want to believe. That's just, uh, you know, a sure, I of course, that's in. a deep, deep, true statement right there. Exactly, <laughs> it really is. And and but I truly believe that people go into politics at any level to to make a difference. I truly mm-hmm. believe that. But once they get into that beast, and mm-hmm. they become part of the bureaucracy, and they realize damn, I can't make the difference that I thought I could in the time frame that I have. So mm-hmm. I'm here and now I got to care, take care of my family and I got to take care of my constituents, so on and so forth. And they just get sucked into this animal and mm. it, it just becomes ugly for so many people, unfortunately. Yeah, you know, I think that everybody as a human being, we all have, um, you know, these opportunities and this is, I know what you're dedicated to in all of your work and I'm dedicated to in my work, you know, opportunities to continually grow and get stronger in all areas of our life, you know, and, and to be able to flourish and thrive in more and more toxic environments, right? So like to get so strong that even when you're in the most toxic environment, you're not thrown off course, you're mm-hmm. still going to be a man of integrity, right? Mm-hmm. Like no matter how toxic and scary and messed up the environment is, you would rather die and, and lose your whole family, then compromise your integrity. Yeah. And that to me is, is where I want to be going. I don't want to have any area in my life where I am susceptible to have fear drive my decision making. Right. Right. Like that's yeah. so important to me. And I think that we all have this opportunity to continually evolve to get to a place where we can skillfully navigate our fear in all areas of our life, whether mm-hmm. we're whether we go into politics or whether mm-hmm. we are just launching a business or whatever it is that we're doing. But to get to a point where fear doesn't have the power to knock us off our center and do something out of integrity for ourselves. Right. And it takes a very, very strong base and a very strong man or woman. Mm-hmm. Uh, to to do that and absolutely right 100 percent, and that really kind of leads us into my next little session of the show which is the kick in the gut moment mm. because this is where a lot of people come to that crossroads and they have a very hard decision to make sometimes yeah. it turns into a kick in the gut and sometimes you know it doesn't but i bring this up bring up this kick in the gut moment because everybody has them and mm-hmm. What happens after that event is what really makes the man or the woman that we are and will be. So if you could, yeah. share yeah. with us that kick in the gut moment that uh, really took you to your knees and really make us feel that. Yeah. So I'll leave out names because you know, <laughs> when I first saw this question, I'm like, I think I'm like on an NDA, like a non-disclosure for like all my real kick in the gut moments. So yeah, like, well. I, it's tricky. But there was there was a job that I had where I had a boss who was was awesome. I just, we were so close and I was so in awe of him and I was his right hand for many years and so grateful to be in that position. And then the day came where, you know, he was running the company and, and he had to leave the company and it was totally out of nowhere that this happened. And it was such a blow for him and a blow for me um, because I was very young at the time and I was not prepared. No one was prepared for this. And he wanted me to just leave with him right away that, that, you know, he's leaving, I need to leave. And I had to navigate 
feeling loyalty to the company, not just to him. And it was a real kick in the gut because I had to make that decision and talking about integrity and talking about figuring out how to navigate these really tricky moments when emotions are so big and you feel so sick. Like literally, I remember feeling so sick, like like you literally were ill when all of this started to happen. And you're like, what? How? How? Ooh, you know, and what am I going to do? And then having to tell my my boss who was such a close dear friend that I wasn't just going to leave with him and that I needed to you know go through the course with whatever the company needed me to do to help with the transition or whatever um, but it was such a oh such a tough tough thing to navigate and then of course the company did let me go too two days later so it wasn't mm. like I it wasn't like it was a prolonged, um, you know, opportunity to be of service, but I had to follow my integrity in that moment. And that's what my inner compass told me to do. But man, oof, that was a really tough, tough time. I remember that so well. So what was the uh, evolution of that? What happened? Well, what happened was, you know, I I followed my core principles. I felt really good about how I handled it. I had to go to bat to get my... Um, you know, my needs met the things that I was definitely owed. I had to go to bat and have a bunch of really tough conversations to fight for what I what I was you know do out of that situation. Whereas it would have been much easier for me to be taken care of if I had just gone with my boss. So I had a tougher road, and it wasn't easy by any stretch, and it felt very in alignment with my core principles and my integrity. And I definitely feel like making that decision empowered me to face future things with, with knowing that I could trust that inner compass. Yeah, I can, I can definitely see that. So what was the enough is enough? What was the pivot point? What happened after that? Well, you know, and enough and enough. So the thing about me <laughs> is that I tend to have a very throat low threshold for enough is enough. Like I make changes. If something doesn't feel right for me, I make changes right away. So really from, from my entire adulthood, if something isn't right, I say something and I do something. I'd rather take action and have it be not the right action than stay in a situation that doesn't feel well. So I, when I saw your question, I was kind of laughing to myself. Cause I'm like, I haven't really had an, an enough is enough moment since I was a teenager. And, and so I'll tell you that story because when I was at Yale, since I first got to Yale, I had a boyfriend from high school. We were madly in love the time I was 15. So we were together for a bunch of years when I got to Yale. And when we got to Yale, it became clear that he had a drug problem, that he was a drug addict. And it became obvious and I started to try to talk to him and he, you know, denied it and wouldn't, you know, acknowledge it and made me feel like I was crazy. And we were so in love and I was so tied with my own identity as like, uh, who am I as a person? When you asked me that question, then I was like, oh, I'm Josh's girlfriend. <laughs> that was who I was. So, you know, the biggest enough is, uh, enough is enough moment for me really was that period of my life when I had to end that relationship because it was pulling me down and, and so toxic for me. So I had to end really the person who I thought I was going to marry and have kids with. I had to end that relationship. And that was so, so hard. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I can, I can definitely see that. So I'm looking at your site here, Gold Evolution. Absolutely love it. Beautiful, Thanks. beautiful site. How did you, how did all of that, you know, at some point, Happen. I know sometimes it, it just... <laughs> It doesn't. It's you, a can't, fun story. you can't pick the point. Yeah, please share. <laughs> well, I was, I was. After I had my kids, and I did a bunch of stuff while I was home with my kids, then I um, went back to work running a behavioral therapy weight center. So it was 
you know, I was president of a company and I was like, okay, good. I'm back kind of on my corporate path. Cause I always thought I was just going to be a CEO. I didn't know what I was going to do, but I knew I could run a company. And so I was running this company on the business side of things. And I started to really deepen my meditation practice. And I started to tap into my own creativity for the first time. And I started, to be honest, I, I had a spiritual awakening and I became really clear that the work that I'm meant to be doing is this, is this sharing these deeper principles, these empowering principles, these empowering practices that if more and more people can reach this kind of tipping point on understanding, uh, the world will be a very, very different place. And so it became really clear to me while I was there running the company that I needed to start doing this work. So I launched Gold Evolution while I was still at the company, kind of as a passion project, not really knowing when or how or what, but feeling like I needed to be writing and needed to be having an outlet, I guess, for this work. And then in December of 2016, I got inspired to write a book. And I literally wrote my book, Find More Strength, in two weeks. And it was out of nowhere and it was not planned. And so that was in January of 2017. And I told my my business partner, because it was her company, that I was writing this book and I was doing this. And she basically at first was supportive, but then eventually wasn't. And I have literally haven't spoken to her since. Mm. Very sad and painful, actually. And then I self-published in April. And so when I left running that company, I basically dove headfirst into doing this work in a very unclear way, not knowing like what my niche was going to be. Because, you know, you need to kind of have a niche. You need to, like, who are you talking to? If you're mm-hmm. talking to everybody, you're talking to no one. Right. And that my book was not written for a market. My book was a calling. My book was like a apparently I'm writing a book, you know, it wasn't (laughs) an idea. And like, it wasn't, there wasn't an angle. It was just, uh, okay, here's a book. So it, this past year has been this kind of blossoming and and kind of clarifying of of how I can best be of service. And actually I just launched a parenting program for the first time that I'm so passionate about because I can really package everything that I know through this lens of parenting and parents. It's a great touch point because when we become parents, we realize that we've, we thought things were easier and then we're like, well, actually, I still have a lot of work to do and we want to be our best selves so we can teach that to our kids. And so that's that's been the last year is, is kind of shifting into what I know is going to be my work for the rest of my life. It's pretty exciting. Yeah, so how's the, I saw the parenting thing uh, pop up for that on yeah. your site, and, I, thought, and yeah. I, I usually don't read those. But um, one, I was getting ready to get on—you know—I was, I was getting ready to get on the line with you, so I wanted to know more about you and see what you got going on. But two, yeah. it was very captivating um, in the way that you—you know—about the, the program. So, how does that program work? Well, I'm on the fourth week right now of the beta launch. So I have a a small beta group of five people, which is perfect, where I'm getting a lot of one-on-one time, a lot of one-on-one feedback. But it's an online, you know, video-based program where you get four weeks of instruction for me. And the first week is about getting centered, you know, getting calm and clear, because we need that base if we want to show up for our kids, right? And then the second week is all about learning to be non-judgmental, observing without judgment. How can we really understand What's going on with our kids? Because our brain judges and like shuts down and we miss what the behavior is telling us. So that's the whole second week. Then the third week is about loving them wherever they are. So fully loving them and especially in the moments when their behavior is unpleasant, that's when they need our love the most. So how do we crack that code? How do we figure out how to be gentle and kind and build this trust and respect? And then the fourth week is about disciplining to empower. 
How are we going to empower our kids to be their best selves? What do we need to be doing? How do we need to be handling these interactions to give them this gift so that they can be their authentic selves, be empowered to live their best life, whatever that is? Because I don't know what my kids are going to do. <laughs> Yeah. They're little little divine, you know, things. I don't know. They're gonna be lawyers or doctors or create something new. I and I want them to have the space and the confidence and the skillfulness to figure that out themselves and, and bravely do it. I like it. Definitely needed for so many parents. I know we don't we don't have yeah. a, a there's a lot of books out there and stuff, but to be able to yeah. have that conversation with somebody and yeah, it's definitely I wish I'd have had something like that when I first got started to be quite me, honest with you. Me too. <laughs> me too. Like I really created this program because I was I was lucky enough that when I became a mom, I left work. I was able to make you know being a mom a full time job, and so I read the books and I did the practices. But I realized all the books in the world, all the strategies in the world, if I was losing my stuff. Like if I wasn't able to stay calm and clear, I couldn't practice the stuff that I learned in the books. Mm-hmm. And so that was part of, you know, what what drove me to my deeper kind of spiritual quest and, and meditation and all of that, because I knew I needed to figure out how to be calm and clear if I was going to be the best mom I could be for my kids. Yeah, very, very neat. I really like that. So Thanks. what are some good news stories that have come out of what you've been doing? I know the, the parenting is probably much too new, but um, no, actually, it's stories? right. It's, it? I'm in the middle of the parenting. Yeah, I'm on Very week awesome. three with, with, with my people. So, you know, it's been so humbling. Yeah, I mean, literally, the wins that the parents are sharing that like, okay, you know, my daughter did the thing that she always does. Like when I ask her to go upstairs, you know, to brush her teeth, and she gives me lip and she, you know, talks back and says, you know, mom, I'm still doing this. You know, she doesn't, she doesn't just do what I say, right? Like certain kids and this, this mom has two different kids. So one child is a little bit more cooperative and the other child is a little more kind of question authority. And, and she was saying, so I did, I did just what you said, you know, I gave her choices and I gave her control and I stayed calm. I didn't let myself get triggered and get my buttons pushed and so I handled it this way and then that happened and this happened and it was like a totally different new dynamic and then she came and gave me a hug and it was like huge wins you know just Mm -hmm. it's so funny how we have the power to totally shift the dynamic you know in all of our relationships and that's why for me it was really hard to pinpoint okay I'm doing the parenting thing because the stuff I know applies to all of our relationships I mean even just in my my marriage with my husband it's been so transformative to practice being compassionate, being calm and clear, being non-judgmental, you know, focusing on building trust and respect, all of the things that, you know, we kind of know, but we're not so clear on practicing, right? Mm-hmm. And it's it's just, it's really, really exciting because it spills over into everything. It just, it yeah. does, it touches, it like it creates this bubble around us. So then anyone we touch feels it. It's really beautiful. It really is. And this is one of the things that's hard for many guys to understand. And, and women, I say guys a lot because I'm always talking to guys. Yeah. But understand, I'm, I mean that inclusionary. Um, yeah. But, you know, when when I'm having this conversation with people and they're like, well, he or she, my wife, my husband, they won't do this and they won't do that. And I'm like, well, you can't make anybody else do anything. You first have to adjust your own efforts and, and see what you're doing. It's it, I call it, It's a collusion. Basically, mm. what you're doing is causing them to your your actions mm-hmm. are causing them to think something mm-hmm. and then react and then that's causing you to further react yep. and it's going into a vicious circle. As soon yep. as you recognize that and change that and see the person as a person and not as an object or or some way to get something like at mm-hmm. work, 
Uh, somebody's mm-hmm. in your way or this is a person is, you know, you got to go through this person. As soon as you see them as a person, start treating them as such, realizing what their needs, wants, and desires are. Mm-hmm. And then kind of work towards that. And like Jim mm-hmm. Rogers always say, help enough people get what they want and you'll have more than what you want. Yeah. It all yeah. works together. And then people come yeah. back to me and go, Wally. It worked. I, it worked. <laughs> it was worked. Like, Duh. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> the other thing I say too that I, I found to be really helpful is remembering that a relationship is like a living, breathing thing. And you can't change the person, but you can change the relationship. Like we have the power to actually change the relationship. And by changing the relationship, we open up space for the other person to change their behavior, which is just another way of saying what you just explained. But I found for myself and my clients too, thinking about the relationship as a living, breathing thing. Like really, and, and it's built on trust and respect, communication, consistency, positivity, freedom. Like a relationship can't be healthy without freedom. It can't be mm-hmm. healthy without positivity. It can't be healthy without you know res- respect and communication and consistency. So do your part to make that relationship as healthy as possible. Don't worry about changing the other person. Worry, I don't like worry. Don't worry about anything. Just focus on Mm -hmm. improving the relationship. And then that will open up space for the other person to shift and be more empowered and be healthier. And then their behavior will be healthier. Like it really, it's so powerful. It really is. It, it's extremely powerful. And I've seen this work in both relationships. I've seen this work on a, on a SWAT team uh, mm-hmm. where the SWAT leader came into a room and instead of just completely controlling everybody, seeing them as people, even SWAT guys were you know, going and, and warming up bottles for the screaming baby so that it would calm the situation down that much mm-hmm. more. It's, they would de-escalate things. Just, um, it's just amazing to be able, once you master this type of... Um, control and and see people as people and then yeah cater to their needs and desires Very yeah and awesome. i especially i especially love working with men because in general right this is obviously a generalization but in general men weren't parented from the time that they were young to you know really respect their inner world as much and know their inner world you know their emotional needs their spiritual needs it was like i think especially for men it was like it's not okay like i know how my brother was raised i know how my dad was raised you know it wasn't okay to be sensitive and yet i know how sensitive most men are and so i love kind of holding space for men in that way and validating like yeah you have this whole rich dynamic beautiful inner world that is worthy of your own self respect of your own self validation because i know you know this too we need to care for ourselves and and take care of our own core needs first and foremost before we can have any hope of someone else meeting them. So we need to give ourselves the love, the respect, the validation, all the things that we need from our relationships as well. But we need to first do it for ourselves so we can be healthy enough to then be that for the relationship and for the other person. I absolutely agree with that. And I actually, in my personal experience, find it that women have a harder time caring for themselves before <laughs> yeah, others because you're moms. Yeah, Guys are like, hey, yeah. I'm going to go watch the game. That's for me. You know, I'm going to go out in the yep. garage and, you know, tinker with the car. You know, yep. you do what you got to do type of thing. Well, the kids need attention. Oh, yeah, so does the car. You know, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, no, women women definitely care more uh, in that regard, but um, that's just how we're built, you know. I, I truly believe that. 
Yeah, no, and I think that, again, like you're saying, it's wired. I think men are more likely to care for themselves in the kind of big nuts and bolts ways, Mm -hmm. but don't necessarily have the skillfulness to care for themselves in the more subtle emotional ways, right? Mm -hmm. Care for their feelings, whereas women are more likely to have at least awareness, maybe not skillfulness around caring for their own emotions. But you are so right that because women, again, in our society, total stereotype and and overgeneralization, but it's pretty universal that we're raised to care for others. And if we aren't focused on caring for others, we're selfish. Mm-hmm. And there's like no bigger sin, you know, for a woman than than not being there for everyone else mm-hmm. at the, you know, sacrifice of your own self-care. And that's, yeah. we can't, that's not sustainable. You can't operate like that. 100% agree. Absolutely. So we are at the part of the show where we are going to pay it forward to our abundant leaders. You ready to do that? Yeah. Huh? Outstanding. I like that. Yeah. Huh? Yeah. Huh? <laughs> I don't know where it came from. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> it's not something I usually say. <laughs> See, I bring that out in people. That's funny. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> All right. So share with our abundant leaders one to three actionable steps that they can take today. Well, we were just talking about self-care. So let's let's just go with that because prioritizing our own health and fitness has to be number one because everything else will suffer if it's not. So, you know, one to three things, make sure you get good sleep tonight. Make sure you're eating for health. Like really think about the nutrition you're putting into your body, um, drinking a lot of water. And then if you don't meditate, think about starting a meditation practice because it really, it's like dental floss for your brain. So what does meditation look like for you? Because I know it's different for everybody. Totally, totally. So my meditation practice is is pretty deep and esoteric these days. And for me, I sit for about 20 minutes and I you know, do a very simple series of breathing and paying attention to certain areas of my body. And then I go and then I just sit in kind of oneness and bliss out. <laughs> I'm like, ah, oh, it's good. So that's, that's kind of a more advanced, you know, practice that I've only developed over the last couple of years. But I started, um, I learned originally from someone named Alan Finger. And there's uh, Spotify has, and I think iTunes has simple meditations from him that just guide you through starting to pay attention to different, you know, inner inner parts of, of your being that can help really kind of center your energy and, and help you kind of achieve this higher state of consciousness. Nice. Yeah, I like that. Thanks for sharing that. So other than um, meditating and exercise, I'm sure, what daily habits make the biggest impact in your life? Yeah, no, I mean, I think that my daily habits, like my non-negotiables, really are my self-care routines. So like every morning I meditate, every day I eat at least four cups of green leafy vegetables, usually in a big green smoothie with all kinds of other goodness in it. And every day I exercise and I do mix it up, you know, between yoga and high intensity interval stuff and really intense strength training. So I do all that and and I make sure I sleep. You know, other than that, my days are so varied and chaotic. So I never know, other than those those kind of building blocks, I never know what my day is going to hold. Yeah. Yeah. And But once you get those, if you're like me, once I get those building blocks done, I was going to say out of the way, but that's not the right term. But once I get those yeah, done yeah. and, you know, really enjoy that moment and that time, then mm-hmm. whatever happens throughout the rest of the day is pretty much, okay, I'm, I can deal with it. I'm good. Yeah. Yeah, you flow. And I know that from experience. The days that I don't meditate or that I don't exercise mm-hmm. or I didn't get good sleep, everything is impacted. So I know that. And I don't let that ever get, uh, you know, go by the wayside. Great, great. So what are you reading or listening to that you would recommend to our abundant leaders and why? Well, I, I have to assume you know Derek Rydell. That's honestly what I'm reading and listening to right now. Are you familiar with his work? I am not. Oh, 
Well, he has a book called The Abundance Project. And he has a podcast, oh, which yes. kind of goes through it. Mm-hmm. And I have to tell you, Ollie, he, he knows of what he speaks. So he helped me over the last couple of weeks have a bunch of big breakthroughs around abundance and around just getting out of my own way and healing some of the deeper, you know, contradictory beliefs that I have around the true nature of life. Mm-hmm. And so I, if, if, you, if your listeners haven't heard or found Derek Rydell yet, uh, The Abundance Project, it's definitely worth, worth checking out. I'll definitely check that out. Is is there was one guy that did a uh, documentary on abundance, but I don't know if it's the same guy or not. But I'll definitely look that up, and I'll have that linked up in the show notes as well. And maybe yeah. have some of the videos in the show notes uh, as well. That sounds, of course, that's right up my alley, right? Yeah, right. <laughs> totally. I went to see. If, I'm like, maybe he's been on your show, and I, oh. I went and looked. I couldn't see, but he, he really. It's great because he just had this new book that came out and he did a series of podcasts kind of going through the whole book. Mm-hmm. And it really, it's it's really great content. It's free. So, I mean, it's just great content to listen to. Well, I'll be digging into that right away and possibly reach out reach out to him for sure to get him on the show. Yeah, yeah, definitely recommend it. Learn something new every day. That's great. Yeah, absolutely. So, what do you feel holds most people back from living a life of true abundance? Fear and ignorance, and I think fear, you know, really, ignorance is at the root of fear because mm-hmm. fear isn't bad. Like, again, like I said earlier, having fear is a really healthy <laughs> mechanism that we have inside of ourselves to make sure that we're paying attention to the things we need to pay attention to. So it's really when when we're, we're ignorant around kind of um, – you know, the, the reality of the, the things that we're, we're believing around fear. And so I really think that ignorance is at the root of the fears that, that, that hold us back and having contradictory beliefs around what is true. It's like I say to my clients all the time, I want to know your yeah, buts. Anything that I ever say where you're like, yeah, but like, ooh, mm-hmm. I'm excited, laser pointer, because anytime you have a yeah, but, that's showing you where you're splitting your energy and where you're blocked mm-hmm. because there's no yeah buts. <laughs> it's like, no, no, there is like deep truth here, my friends. <laughs> like, like, I promise you, there is deep truth in all of this. Like, there is deep truth to abundance, deep truth. So if you're like, yeah, but that shows you where you need to figure out what you believe to be true, why you believe it to be true. And I know now in my life, I can feel when something is true or when something is not true. Because if I believe something that isn't true, I feel my power drop. And I don't know if that makes any sense. Like if you have Mm -hmm. a spiritual awareness or spiritual intelligence where you can feel your spirit, you know, drop from being, you know, joyful and in a place of love, suddenly you drop into, into shame or you drop into guilt or you drop down. I feel it. And I'm like, whoa, what was that? What what did I just hit on? I need to figure that out. Because it's all opportunity. It's not good or bad. It's all opportunity. But that ultimately is what is cutting us off from what I really do know to believe, an infinite source of abundance. Yeah, absolutely. And I like that. And I was just thinking about this and I wrote this down. But is the line between scarcity and abundance. Mm, I love it. Yeah. These epiphanies <laughs> that I have. That's why I love having these conversations. It's so amazing. And also, you know, this fear thing, you know, I, I read in when I was taking psychology and I've heard this several times since then that there's really only two fears that we naturally have. And that's the fear of loud noises and the fear of falling. Mm. Now, Back in the day, you know, we also have the fear of getting injured. And that's where the noise comes from. You, you startle, you think, okay, something's coming my way. I need to duck or run or, you know, fight or flight type of thing. Everything mm-hmm. after that is made up in our own mind. 
Right. We fear pain, right? We fear pain. We're not meant to fear pain. Mm -hmm. Pain is telling us something important. Pain is saying, pay attention. Pain Mm -hmm. is uncomfortable. Pain is not bad. Pain is is our friend. (laughs) Yes. But if you look at it, and I love shining a light on this for people, so I'm so glad you just said that, Mm -hmm. because when we look at it and we realize how we fear pain and that fear of pain messes us up so majorly, like so majorly, you know, it's like, Oh, don't fear pain. Like if Mm -hmm. if you're doing your best, okay, there may be some pain and that pain is going to tell you that you need to go in a different direction or slow down or speed up or whatever. Experience that. Yeah. Experience the pain. Pain isn't going to hurt. Isn't really going to hurt you. It's not comfortable. Right. And it's temporary sometimes. Yeah. yeah. It's in you and the better you get at this whole inner world stuff, you know how to let it go and let it move through you really fast. Yeah, and this is really important in the fitness industry when I was doing a lot of uh fitness training and in groups I used to teach insanity classes and stuff like that. And they're like, mm-hmm. Wally, it, you know, it's, it hurts. It's so painful. I'm like, I know, isn't it great? Yeah, like, what love the hell's it. wrong love with the you, pain. dude? I'm like, No, that's telling you that you're working, that you're progressing, that you're moving forward. You know, yeah. when you're in Nirvana, I say it all the time. I live out here in Hawaii. It's beautiful. But I can't sit on the beach all day, every day. How unproductive yeah. would that be and how my body would just deteriorate? Yeah, no, that you know. I mean, we all know this, that all the magic happens out of our comfort zone. Like, we mm-hmm. know that. And then yet we fear pain. It's like, yeah. well, that's that's clearly not helpful. <laughs> it's clearly not of service. Clearly slowing you down from living your best life, right? Absolutely. Just redirect it. Get somebody like yeah. Pamela in your life to yeah. uh, help yeah. you work or through Molly. that stuff. Absolutely. Absolutely. Here we go. That's why so, we're here. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So what does living a life of abundance mean to you, Pamela? Flow. Letting everything flow because abundance is flow. And so as long as I'm giving then I'm getting and I got to let myself be open to give and open to get and be in that state of knowing kind of the infinite of the abundance. And it's really kind of an experience of flow as being a human being. So the more I'm experiencing that flow, that would be abundance. And that flow is oh so nice. Yeah. It's good. <laughs> yeah, it is. And, and, and one litmus test, you know, that you can use is if uh, you know you're in the flow when, you know, four, three, four hours have passed by. You haven't gotten up to go to the restroom. You haven't eaten. You haven't drinking anything. And you didn't even know where the time went. I mean, that's mm-hmm. you just know you're in the zone, you're in the flow, and that's just a wonderful place to be. can be kind of yeah. dangerous. you got to pay attention to yourself. That's why <laughs> we have timers out there to remind you to <laughs> stop what you're doing and go yeah. take care of yourself. That's my, that is definitely my problem. (laughs) My opportunity. (laughs) Exactly. That's why I brought it up because it's so, so familiar. Yep. All right. So we are going to close this up, Pamela. It's been a wonderful conversation. But what did we not talk about in our conversation? You want to make sure that men of abundance get out of this? Well, you know, my book, Find More Strength, Five Pillars to Unlock Unlimited Power and Happiness. So that book has five specific practices and it really is useful. So, you know, if any of this resonated, my book is worth checking out and you can get the first chapter for free on my website, but it really is um, a powerful tool to start to practice this stuff, like a practical way to build your inner strength. Excellent. We will definitely have that linked up in the show notes, of course. Uh, What are the five pillars real quick? Really quick, they're gratitude, courage, compassion, surrender, and then openness and curiosity. Excellent. I look forward to digging into that. 
And yeah. uh, I love all of that. So, Pamela, yeah. again, it was just an amazing, amazing conversation. And once again, before I forget, because I forgot at the beginning, and I won't, I'll make sure I bring it up in this uh, pre-show as well, but I want to give a huge shout-out to Interview Valet. Yeah, uh, they're great. they are just amazing, amazing, and always keeping up with all of my guests and giving me just amazing guests. And I really just love everything that Tom Schwab and Karen and Kara, and I can't name all of them. Everybody over yeah. there at Interview Valley, you know who you are, Dan Moyle. Um, <laughs> I'm gonna, I, I, hate, I hate when I start mentioning names because I'm always going to leave somebody out. I somebody. I'll have listed in the show notes. <laughs> yeah, no, I, right, I, I echo that. They're great, great people. Absolutely. So go out and live your life of abundance, Pamela, and keep paying it forward. Absolutely. Thanks so much, Molly. My pleasure. Aloha. Aloha. All right, guys, there's another amazing conversation for you. I want to remind you once again to be abundant in your life today. Pay it forward and share this with everyone you come in contact with. And don't forget about that link in the show notes where you are going to be able to find power and peace in your parenting. Go click on that link. Check out Pamela's video. Let her explain the program to you. I think you're going to dig it. Now go out and live your life of abundance and make sure to pay it forward. That's all for today, Abundance Leaders. For more about our guests and the powerful information we shared with you today, be sure to sign up for our mailing list at menofabundance.com. We appreciate your time and look forward to hanging out with you on our next episode. So until then, be sure to pay it forward and live your life of abundance. Abundance.